0: Yeah, I'm Lynn manuel Miranda. I'm Celia Keenan-Bolger. This is Queen Leslie. I'm Robin DeJesus. I'm Erin Davey. Hi, this is Ellen Marie Marsh. I'm LaShawn. I'm Telly Leung. Hi, I'm Eden Espinosa. I'm Laura Osnis. I'm Katie Finnerin. Hi, I'm Tanya Pinkins. I'm Karen Olivo,
1: and you are listening to the Theatre People Podcast.
0: Hello, fellow theatre people. Welcome to the Theatre People Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. This week, with a focus on Off-Broadway, we're bringing you Michael Lawrence and Annette O'Toole, who co-star in Hamlet in Bed, a two-hander currently playing at the Rattlestick Playwrights Theatre in the West Village. Mike and I saw the show a few weeks ago and knew we had to get these two on the podcast to talk about it. The play is dark and complex and so, so interesting. Since Michael Lawrence is not only the co-star, he also wrote it. I'll let him explain the plot once we get into the episode. Michael is a staple of the downtown theater, but he's also been seen on Broadway in the recent revivals of Talk Radio and Desire Under the Elms, as well as many TV shows and films. Annette O'Toole, who has also appeared in numerous off-Broadway productions, is perhaps best known for her role in the 1980s Superman films, as well as the role of Martha Kent, Clark Kent's mother, on the long-running series Smallville. Interestingly, she's also Academy Award nominated for co-writing the song A Kiss at the End of the Rainbow with her husband Michael McKeon for the Christopher Guest film A Mighty Wind. These two were so much fun to talk to. Here's our conversation. All right, so Michael Lawrence and Annette O'Toole, welcome to the Theater People podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. so much for being Hello, here. hi. Congratulations on Hamlet in Bed, which is currently running at the Rattlestick, written by Michael, um, and starring the two of you. Uh, so Michael, we were going to start with you. Since you are the playwright and the co-star, we thought maybe you could give our listeners a little bit of like a plot overview so they'll know what we're talking about.
2: Sure. Um, It's like I say at the very beginning of the play, I say, I come out and I talk to the audience and I say, well, this is my story. It's sort of framed as like a, as an autobiography. But you know, like, as with anything biographical, like as soon as you put it in front of an audience or frame it as art, like truth is never truth with a capital (laughs) T, you know, so I'm sort of playing fast and loose with with the facts, but let's pretend that it's a true story, and I come out and I say, well, here's the plot, let's get that out of the way, because the plot is the premise, and the premise is uh, an adopted actor who's a little bit neurotic, is obsessed with playing Hamlet, and he's obsessed with finding um, his birth mother, and um, one day through a Sort of set of bizarre coincidences involving an old diary that he finds on the street uh, at a sort of a, you know, book table, a bookseller. Um, he stumbles across the name of a woman who played Ophelia in the 70s. And who he thinks maybe gave up a baby for adoption around the time that he was born. And it might be this crazy case of wishful thinking, but he becomes obsessed with the idea that she might be his birth mom. And he tracks her down, and he finds her, and he lures her into this noirish production of Hamlet, playing uh, the role of his mother in the play. So it's like life and art
0: collide, and... Uh, yeah, that's the the basic plot. How how much of it I mean, is any of it autobiographical or is it all fiction?
2: Um y- y- certainly there are um there are details and moments that are that are that are taken from from my life and I think it's sort of like the whole piece is sort of imbued with a sort of a nostalgia for a kind of New York theater scene that I came of age in like in the sort of the 80s and the early 90s and and um uh, a sort of a downtown, sort of DIY kind of kind of kind of scene. So, um, really, like the, the plot, such as it is, the plot that I just described is really just sort of. I look at it as a skeleton on which to hang these sort of like. Um, you know, these sort of like forays and sort of like uh, little wa- meandering a lot of the play is built on these monologues mm-hmm. you know, and so like so so the structure of the plot is really an excuse to delve into these two characters lives, you know, in New York City um, as theater people, as erstwhile artists, you know and so a lot of that stuff you know, touches on moments from my, li- my life, but no, I never <laughs> was <laughs> in a I know, particular, same position
0: as the uh, the character Michael. Okay. So. Okay. Um, Annette, how did you come to the production?
1: Well, I was—I uh, worked with Lisa Peterson about, gosh, eight or nine years the ago. Director. Yes. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant woman. Um, at a in a play called *The Quality of Life*, written by Jane Anderson, that we did at the Arena Stage, ah. and um, she just called me out of the blue and said, um, "Are you interested in doing this? Would you like to read it?" I read it, and I was like, blown away by the script. I was shaking by the end of it, um, and I I emailed her and said oh, well, yes. Of course, I mean I called her and said I would kill to do this. Thing. <laughs> Thank you for thinking of me. That you thought I could I could go there because it frightened me to death. There's so much about it that, especially at first, like the big long monologues. That that is one of the things that really petrifies me as an actor. And never having used microphones at all except in musical stuff, um, mm-hmm. and I love how she's made it so much. I, one time, I I said this is kind of like a, a a, rock's show without the music. Although there is a ton of music in yeah. it, it's we don't sing the music, but we kind of act like we are. Yeah. And um, there's a, a big Patty Smith influence, and and Debbie Harry, and and in a weird way, Jenna Rollins. Mm-hmm. These were all images that, that Michael sent to me early on about how he saw how he saw the the look of it and I happened to be doing a a little film in Toronto so I came in early and did a reading with Michael and, and Lisa at, at her house and uh from then on I was just I mean I knew before that I it was something I had to do and then once I met Michael and and worked on you know just heard it out I was like oh my god this is so complex and interesting just the kind of thing I want to see much less be in and I've had friends come to the show who are who feel similarly. They, yeah. they just are, they can't believe what they've just seen. They say, oh, my God, this is like the best play I've ever seen. <laughs> so, you know, and then others who, like, don't quite get it, usually older white guys. <laughs>
2: um,
0: yeah. um, I, I'm interested, I know, Michael, you have a, a history with the Shakespeare Theater in D.C. Oh. So I'm curious just about, like, your, both of your relationships to Hamlet, to Shakespeare, and how, were, like, were you looking to write something that would let you explore that Play and that character, and the character of Gertrude in another way.
2: Um, sure. You know, I um, yeah, that's true. I cut my teeth at the Shakespeare Theater. Uh, right out of college, it was my my first professional job. It's how I got my equity card, actually in a production of Hamlet, starring Tom Hulse, directed by um, Michael Kahn. It was an amazing production. Um, I got to play the Gloomy Dane once in my career at the Grand Canyon Shakespeare Festival <laughs> in Flagstaff, Arizona. I don't even think the festival exists anymore. In fact, I think it was only that one year. I probably put him out of business with me. <laughs> Um, but but I've I, you know I, I first saw the play when I was 11 years old. Um, I've been obsessed with it my whole life. Um, I consider myself a Hamletian. It's a, I have a lot of fun with that in the play. You know, talking about you know in the 19th century that play was so popular that, that yeah. Hamletian was actually an adjective to describe people <laughs> who were obsessed. So I'm a modern Hamletian. Um, I've seen I don't know. I would just dozens of productions live of of the play. Whenever there's a new one in New York or in the region, I I run to see it. So yes, I was interested in in sort of um, giving my myself a chance a, a run at the role. Now that I'm you know too, as I, we say in the play a little long in the tooth <laughs> to to actually play it. But but you know I also see Hamlet you know as as a sort of a as a play that in some weird way is like representative of theater in general. You know, it, it's probably the most recognizable play in the world ever written. You know, sort of that image of a, of a of a person sort of contemplating a skull is like some sort of like sign or semaphore for theater itself. And so in when, when I was writing a play that's really about families and surrogate families and the kind of families that you create in the theater, which is in a way I guess probably why I'm in the theater in the first place, you know, um, I wanted to sort of hang the story on a play that that everybody you know could immediately recognize for its themes, and the, most people who see the play have some kind of, even if it's vague, some kind of connection to to that story and mm-hmm. and to, to to that play. Um, so it sort of served a double purpose for me. I, I you know I, the, it, this this sort of narrative voice that I develop in this play sort of came out of some work that I did a few years ago with a solo play called Crab 39 yeah. and that play referenced a Samuel Beckett play called Crab's Last Tape and it sort of was shadow boxing with this classic text and in the same way I'm, I'm sort of dancing here with, with, with Shakespeare's text and in both cases the characters were sort of you know, they 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 were they were there was a sort of a meta conceit. You know, it's me, it's me. I'm an actor and a writer who's sort of interfacing and struggling, um, or 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 or, uh, or in conversation or dialogue with this with this famous text. Yeah. You know, and so um, I don't know. I guess it's just something yeah. I kind of like to do as a you know yeah. as, a,
0: as a writer. Yeah. And and Annette, how about you? Did are you do you have a strong background in Shakespeare? Do you know them? No,
1: not at all. I, I love Shakespeare, and uh, I studied Shakespeare a lot in class. I was in a, a class with Peggy Fury, who is this wonderful teacher in, in Los Angeles, and and uh, I, I worked on it a lot. I auditioned for it a lot, um, never got into a production of everything. <laughs> um, and uh, and I spent a lot of time, I, I lived in Oregon, Ashland, Oregon, for, for 14 years, mm-hmm. and my daughter has done a ton of Shakespeare there. Um, She's had quite a quite a big career in, in doing. At that. the organ Shakespeare, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've seen a ton of it, mm-hmm. and uh, and like my character in the play, you know, she hasn't been on, actually on a stage in 40 years. She played a lot of great parts from the time she was about 16 to 19. So she's got this wonderful background in it and lived with this incredible Shakespeare. Guy, you know, yeah. was like just she was a sponge. She was like quite a bit older, so she just like took in everything. Um, so I think even though she hasn't been on a stage and hasn't worked in a production for a long time, I think she's she's continued to be a student. I think she's studied. She knows all. You know, she she's very up on everything. So yeah. I think it's not a big leap. For, you know, when she suddenly like knows a, a whole Gertrude speech, it's because she lives and breathes it at home.
0: Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Rattlestick Theater. We were talking a little bit before we started. Um, it's this like beautiful like little black box theater down in the village that is sort of, if I'm understanding correctly, develops playwrights and does a lot of like original material. I know you've worked with them before, right, Michael? I have.
2: Um, this is my my third go-around with them, although my first is a writer. Um, I was in a... Play as an actor by Dale Orlander Smith a few seasons ago called Horse Dreams, and then last season I was in Sam Sam uh, Samuel Hunter's play The Few, um, and uh, you know I sort of forged a relationship with 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 those guys and David Vaniselt, who's the artistic director there who's I, I to, in to my mind he's one of the true heroes of the Off Broadway scene. I mean yeah. he's a real champion of edgy, dangerous new work. Um and uh I just think that the the you know, they have a history of producing wonderful playwrights like, you know, uh Greg Wright and Adam Rapp and yeah. Lucy Thurber, people who are really just doing work that's um that's sort of uh part of the the vanguard of, yeah, okay. you know, New York um uh th- you know off Broadway theater. So I, I I, I love the theater for their mission statement. I also just actually love the actual theater space. Yeah. You know, it's, a, you know, like you were saying, it's, it's this, you know, it's, uh, it's on this sort of tree-lined street in the West Village, and you go up a sort of a creaky staircase and yeah. into this old, you know, just beautifully decrepit, you know, <laughs> space which, in truth it's actually, our, our, uh, our set designer, Rachel Halk, who's brilliant um, went to a lot of trouble actually to make the place look more decrepit than it actually is for our play, because we, we really wanted that sense that Michael, the character in the play is, is setting up this, this you know, sort of production in, in, in like a place that just has this sort of old, dilapidated glory, so
0: yeah.
2: but that's the vibe of the place, yeah
0: I wanted to ask you both. You're both so successful in theater and film and television, um, and that you're Academy Award nominated for a song you wrote for "A Mighty yes. Wind." And Michael, you've been on all these amazing TV shows, and I'm curious about what you what draws you both to the downtown scene. Why do, Why is it important for you both to stay active in off Broadway and in new work?
1: I think for me you know, there there's so few parts that that challenge me anymore on film you know it's it's really hard to find I mean in and- those parts go to people so f- f- far be- above me, you know. So uh, you know, usually I'm just bringing somebody some coffee, and you know, and, then I, get, <laughs> and I get cut out of the thing, and that, that's okay, you know. But um, it, it, this was just, just uh, such an exciting piece of theater, and everything going on downtown. I mean, just it just seems like there's this wonderful burst of incredible energy and talent going yeah. on, and um, I just love being a part of it. I, I feel sort of reborn, and I just I can't wait to get the, to the theater. I, I just I, you know, I'm doing what I always wanted to do. I feel so lucky, not making a living, doing it at, at the Rattlestick, of yeah. course. But, but I've done all those, you know, coffee serving roles, so yeah. I can do it. And
0: yeah. And Michael, and, and you also, you know, are, are a creator of new work um, for for downtown, like this play in particular. And so, how how is this something you think that you'll be doing forever? Oh my gosh I
2: I mean I'm a I'm a just a creature of the theater I've I've wanted to live in New York City since I was a, a, a little kid growing up in the sticks in Ohio and I got here as soon as I could you know yeah. when I was 17 years old I came to New York wanting to join the living theater you know and 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 I I sort of cut my teeth in the sort of experimental theater downtown in basements and lofts you know working with people like Joe Chaikin and you know I actually did work with the Living Theater and Judith Molina a little yeah. bit but like you know those that was that was my world I, as a young actor I never even really thought about TV and and film like I I wanted to do experimental theater yeah. you know and also my my heroes were were those people who were writing um plays and performing in them um, as well. So people like, you know, Sam Shepard and Spaulding Gray and Wallace Shawn and Anna DeVere Smith yes. and Eric Bogosian, who has since become sort of a mentor to me oh, and, wow. and, a, and a friend. And, um, you know, but those were my heroes. And I was like, that is the that's the ultimate for me is to is to write and and perform you know and we're and we're having
0: nothing to interrupt you but lisa crone is going to be the second half of this episode yeah yeah, yeah. She, she of course like developed the five lesbian brothers and 2.5 minute ride and well and of course now with fun home of course yeah Hi. so we love that on this podcast as well wow. <laughs> <That's wonderful. laughs> yeah yeah i guess like
2: you know for me i mean i've i i you know i've 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 sort of made my living as an as an actor for a number of years and i'm sort of the playwriting side of things is sort of catching up here in early middle age. I'm sort of coming in in the side door, you know, as a as a playwright, you know, writing roles for myself to, to play. But, you know, um, it's not that I don't enjoy, you know, the television work. Of course, it subsidizes the theater habit, you know. And and I just want to say too, you know, just like God bless Annette O'Toole because like she, no, seriously, like she is made. She has brought this play to life and this. I mean, I have all this play really started for me with um, with snippets of of dreams and images of this woman. Who- who was a once upon a time actress who had sort of fallen on hard times, but who had this brilliant spark of Shakespeare, you know, acting genius, and 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 like it was just waiting for somebody to bring it to life. And Annette is just fearless in in yeah. in her in her performance and in her approach to this and sort of what the role required. And I just feel so 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 lucky. Oh. I mean, you know, we're talking about TV and film, but like you know, obviously, like you know, Annette's sort of such a sought-after and esteemed, you know, film and television actress. But when, when, when an artist like that comes to off-Broadway and just yeah. brings their heart and their soul and their passion, it's just uh, it's a real, uh, it's a real pro- privilege. So, oh,
0: What will the future of this play be? Will this play be done other places? I hope so. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, We, we, you know, we, we, we we have a
2: little fantasy, I think, of taking it to London or something. That would be, that would be a dream. We'll we'll see. I mean, there, there, there are, there are possibilities that are being talked about, Um, you know, uh, and then who knows down the line, maybe, uh, maybe it'll be performed in other places with other people besides me. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. We'll see. But I would love that. I hope it has a long future. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks so much, you guys, for coming up and sitting down and chatting with us about your fantastic play. I told you but earlier, Mike and I saw it uh, a few nights ago. We absolutely love this play. We're so so happy for your success and, thanks and, and, and good continued success. Thanks, thanks so much. much. Thanks what, what a
2: pleasure to do this.
0: Hey, fellow theater people, Patrick here. Hamlet in Bed is running at the Rattlestick Playwrights Theater through October 25th. Check it out. Out. You can find ticket information at www.rattlestick.org. Theater People is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. Mike edited this episode. Special thanks as always to Bradley Bean, Steve Tipton, Keith Rainwater, Eric Emsh, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. A few announcements, you guys. We have a brand new website and logo. It's so amazing, both of them. The fabulous Eric Emch designed our logo, and our amazing webmaster Keith Rainwater completely reconstructed the website. I'll be writing a blog from time to time, and you can now leave comments on our episode pages, which I would love for you to do. Also, my husband Steve is now on the Twitter, as he calls it. Follow him. His handle is Steve to see what he has to say about the episodes. We'll be back in three weeks with Tony winner Lena Hall. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking.